Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where don't count your chickens before your eggs hatch, but also don't count your chicken nuggets before you've even won a game in the Western Conference Finals. Because the Lakers 2022-23 season has officially ended, having been swept out of the Western Conference Finals by the Denver Nuggets 4 after last night's painful 113-111 loss in front of the Crypto.com crowd. It was a disappointing end to the season, but not a disappointing journey to even get to this point in the season, considering everything this Lakers team has had to fight through from the get-go, and still had to fight through to the very bitter end. The last time the Lakers lost four in a row, it was actually in December, 1219 to 1225. So this post-trade deadline Lakers with all of these new pieces, they have never lost four in a row until, unfortunately, last night. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, this is the first time these playoffs that we are unfortunately potting after a loss, and well, it was the loss to end all wins and losses for the season, and it sucks. But I guess in some respects, going down 0-3 before last night's game kind of adequately allowed me to gather my thoughts and prepare for the inevitable. So losing last night and losing in a sweep wasn't too shocking. And I guess for myself, I had already come to terms with the season being over. So having said that, for you, vibe check, how are you feeling? And are you ready for LeBron to retire? (laughs) Um, I'm feeling okay. Like you said, it was kind of a soft landing. We all knew this was going to happen for a couple days, just, you know, like delaying the inevitable. So we were put out of our uh, eventual misery sooner rather than later. Um, Yeah, I mean, if anything, the loss on uh, Saturday, that was the real gut punch. Um, But yeah, I was able to process it and just like, well, hopefully we just get a few extra games in to enjoy. but yeah, I'm not ready for LeBron to retire. I don't think he's going to retire next year for the record. Me neither. I think that was LeBron letting the feelings and the moment get to him. Sure. As it did with Anthony Davis. I don't know if you heard, but apparently Anthony Davis was just staring off into space for 45 minutes in the locker room, just repeating over and over again. 
can't believe that happened or something like that. And LeBron James had to console him. So I'm also guessing that was the headspace that LeBron was in. But Alan, for this episode, it's going to be quick and swift. And I really just want to do like a bow tie on this Lakers season. But before we get to that, I guess, do you have any thoughts on last night's final game? LeBron had an incredible performance. He had like, what, 30 points in the first half or something? Four for four from three. The last shot he took... Actually, the last two shots LeBron took, I was very surprised, Alan, because if there was ever moments when I thought LeBron James would take a three to try and win the game, he missed both chances by not taking threes at all. You know, like he took like a fadeaway baseline shot that hit the corner of the basket. And then for his last shot, he drove it into two nuggets. And I thought for sure he was going to take the game-winning three or the potential game-winning three, and he didn't. And then on top of it, I don't know if you noticed, you probably did, but Anthony Davis was wide open from three on the wing, the right wing, when LeBron James drove into two nuggets. And I thought it would have been poetic if LeBron had pitched that out to AD and and we could have maybe gotten an AD for the game-winning three redux from the 2020 bubble last night. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. But yeah, do you have any thoughts on what actually went on last night because again it was a I mean LeBron gave his all and I believe that's what he told AD when AD was staring off into space he pretty much told AD we did everything we could and I think that was the case last night for LeBron James for AD for a lot of the role players at the end of the day I think they just lost gas in the third quarter when they started missing all those chippy layups and wide open threes you could just tell their legs were all shot and they just ran into the buzzsaw that was the Denver Nuggets who by all accounts were just the better team the better coach team they had better balance um and yeah it it sucked that we had a 15 point lead and it felt like we were finally playing freely but I think it's that second half when you really saw oh man the dudes are just tired and they don't got it but yeah do you have any thoughts on last night's game no thoughts that are terribly different from yours other than I was already kind of thinking, number one, I shouldn't have said, yeah, I want Denver over Phoenix. <laughs> um, so if anyone listened to that pod, I'm eating my words for sure. You can, you can put the blame on me. I'll take it. But um, I, yeah, I think that my attention was more on like this Denver team is damn good. Um, they've really hit. I mean, they've hit their stride all season, right? They were the best team in the West. But guys like KCP have just been freaking clicking on all cylinders guy can't miss um and yeah i just felt like they're a much better team than we are and that's okay they have been together for quite some time uh i feel like they have flown under the radar for a few years now because of a lot of their you know injury issues with jamal murray michael porter jr things like that so you know maybe that's why it feels like they've kind of snuck up on the league in some ways but yeah, playing them this series has shown us like just how good they are. And um, that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. We put this team together. You know, we, we all know the perspective at this point. Um, the fact that we got as far as we did and played so well throughout the majority of the playoffs is awesome. Um, as far as last night, I mean, it was awesome to watch vintage. I think we could call it vintage LeBron. Mm-hmm in the first quarter um, just to shift into that mode 
And it's not like he wasn't engaged throughout the series, but it was it was a different type of engagement yesterday until, you know, second half. You just don't have the legs uh, and like the physical bandwidth to do it. You know, that's when he went to more of a distributing role. And as much as you want to be aggressive and get it into the paint, it's like he, he's not doing those things for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, and then. Again, I'm going back to Denver, <laughs> But Joker and these ridiculous freaking shots where we play immaculate defense, yeah. 23.9 seconds, you know, uh, LeBron up in his. I mean, LeBron's defense on Jokic was so good. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he's just hitting these rainbow ridiculous shots uh, from out there. He's just try- like he had the one where he threw it over the backboard. Right. That's what I thought was going to happen on a, a couple of the other ones. But he made them. So you, you tip your cap and you just say, you know what? That's fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> it felt like we were going to win that game, but it's like, well, we'd probably lose on Wednesday. So whatever. Um, the fact that we lost in the fashion that we did, like you said, yeah. So many times LeBron kicks it out, makes the quote unquote right basketball play. People get pissed off for him about that. Yesterday he drove it himself. Didn't work out. And uh Yeah pretty much it yeah. man <laughs> it's a it's a make or miss league right i guess you could point back to maybe ad could have had a much better first half before he finally woke up and it's it's that ad curse of like even day ad where he has an offensive struggle the second game because he can't have two like good offensive games in a row and it was that again and it's almost like this has to be like a running joke, right? This is like a bit that they're doing because it it honestly doesn't make any sense. Like how does ad i mean I know how because fatigue, but Alan, fatigue shouldn't mess like shouldn't mess up a floater that you hit all the time, you know? It it's just yeah. bizarre that he misses these chippies and these very makeable shots for him one night and then the next night it's just like yeah, I don't know. I I think it's a curse. But anyways, <laughs> um yeah, I feel I feel like we were put out of our misery. Dilo was benched last night for Dennis Schroeder. Rui Hachimura started. You could maybe argue that that shift should have occurred sooner. But D'Lo, ironically, had a team high plus five in 14 minutes. The next highest was Rui with plus one. So this series can go to hell because nothing makes sense. You know, so um, I guess let's shift into your overall thoughts of this series. You just mentioned that you'd probably rather have the Suns now. I agree with you. At the same time, I'm not sure how we're stopping Devin Booker and Kevin Durant if we couldn't stop Jamal Murray in the mid-range, you know? And and I think yeah. this was like a confluence of events with regards to just not having the size to match up with Denver. And even if we had played the Suns, it still may have gone six and it could have been a coin flip just because I think we're really tired, Alan. LeBron James and Anthony Davis shouldn't even be playing. And I think for me, the story of this series is we had two superstars who, when we needed them to be superstars, they both couldn't align in the same game to be superstars that we needed, you know? Um, up until this point, the Western Conference Finals, all of the role players, like D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, Dennis Schroeder, they all helped us get to this point with AD and LeBron James trading off pretty good games to really great games, mostly on the defensive end for Anthony Davis, But 
this is the series, Alan, where we needed both Anthony Davis and LeBron James to go pick and roll crazy and just score 35 to 40 points. And we maybe got that the first game and this last game with LeBron James when things were already over. And for me, like the the telltale sign is just the fact that our superstars unfortunately weren't able to perform like superstars because, Alan, they're playing on injuries that technically need surgery right now. You know, I'll also add that as much as we've praised Ham up until this point, and as much as I praised Ham for a masterclass series against the Golden State Warriors, I do think that this was Ham's worst series coaching wise. He was very slow in making adjustments from game to game. And even in game one, he outthought himself. He galaxy brained himself by starting small ball against the Denver Nuggets just because it worked with the Golden State Warriors. Like, I feel like that really got us off on the wrong foot. Not that I think that even if we had started, like, a bigger unit, we would have won this series. But, you know, sometimes momentum goes a certain way. And if you mess with it by outthinking yourself like he did in game one, that can be a snowball of momentum the opposite direction. And I think that's what happened from there on, there forth. And it wasn't even the fact that he started small in game one, Alan. It's the fact that he kept going with that same unit in that game, in game two, in game three, you know, so I felt like this was Ham's worst coach series in terms of making adjustments, even though I'll say that him sticking with D'Lo, I can sort of understand that because that, you know, Ham's whole thing as a coach has been sticking with your guys, right? And it has paid off for him in multiple instances in these playoffs, right? Whether it's Dennis Schroeder, whether it's Lonnie Walker, whether it's D'Angelo Russell in that Golden State Game 3 game where he was having a poor game and Darvin Ham brought him back in the fourth quarter and that's when D'Angelo Russell hit three threes in a row, right? So I don't blame him necessarily for sticking with D'Angelo Russell. But again, it's just the small ball stuff and him being slow to adjust that I feel like really uh, derailed us this series. Um, and then lastly, the biggest thing is just the lack of big man help, right? I think the compounding effects of not really getting AD that extra big man bruiser off the bench, although maybe you'd argue maybe we should have started playing Tristan Thompson earlier, which is kind of funny, but just not having that ended up coming back to bite us in this series for sure. When AD was already worn down, LeBron was worn down, and both of them had to do so much on the defensive end, they had no juice left on the offensive end. And then my last point is just like, D'Angelo Russell, like, terrible series from him. And it sucks. It it sucks seeing D'Angelo struggle so much. It sucks seeing the life sucked out of D'Angelo Russell. You could tell he lost confidence in himself. He was in his head a lot. And I I, I think this is a good learning experience for D'Angelo Russell at the end of the day. And I hope he can bounce back, whether that's with the Lakers or another team. I think it's going to be with the Lakers, at least for part of the season next year. I just wish that people wouldn't overreact so much to what they saw out of D'Lo this last series because we don't get to the Western Conference Finals without D'Angelo Russell's contributions. It's just, it sucks for us because we've, you know, rooted for this guy for so long. We kind of started to see the fruition in D'Angelo Russell's growth, these playoffs, and then these last four games against Denver was like a smack to the face, right? But I think it's just a momentary obstacle that I think D'Angelo Russell can really grow from. Um, but yeah, what are your concluding thoughts on the series as a whole against the Denver Nuggets? Well, every game was close, you know? Yeah. 
and how many times did we feel like, ah, like we lost that game. We should have had that one. Ah, we let that one slip away. Didn't take advantage of it. And those were on the road where it's extremely difficult to play in Denver. Denver, of course, had not lost at home in the playoffs. Um, so while we got outclassed, while they're a better team and all that stuff, it's not even like it was so damn lopsided or anything. And like you said, we were playing with guys who should not even be playing right now due to injury. So imagine if they were at even like 75% of themselves, you know, um, and that's could have should have would have stuff. That's not reality, but I think that it's it's weird to not be that frustrated with what had what's gone down and to actually be proud of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have folded last night too, right? Like they could have come out super flat and just been like one, two, three, Cancun mindset. Um, but the fact that that's not in this team's DNA is great. Uh, that they fought with pride and like stayed in the moment and literally just treated it like, you know, like LeBron said, you can't win four games <laughs> in one night. So just take this one for what it is. Um, I, I agree with you with regards to Darvin Ham making adjustments, but too little, too late kind of a thing. Um, it's going to be exciting, though, because this is his first year. And he's only really coached this team for a couple of months and got us, you know, helped get us to where we we ended up. Uh, so to have some more consistency and balance, hopefully, and stability in the future, uh, that's super exciting and intriguing. Um, I feel like him being able to just get out, get the best out of his guys, um, starting dudes, benching dudes, like Lonnie Walker didn't play forever, <laughs> all of a sudden throws him in the game. He's back in the rotation, um, throwing out Tristan Thompson yesterday and him being quite effective. Um, I, I think that you got to give Darvin Ham a lot of credit for stuff like that. Now, tactically speaking, that's like the learning process for him and the staff. So, yeah, that that's exciting to see. Why don't you close us out by talking about Reeves and Rui? Because even in spite of this series going the way that they did, the way that it did, they were the true two silver linings here because we were at a point where it's like Austin Reeves has hit that sophomore playoff wall that doesn't even exist because most sophomores aren't even in the playoffs doing what he's doing. But let's say that, I mean, pretty much that's where we were at. And then the Denver series happens and he's the most consistent player. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Incredibly solid. Very steady. Must have gone in the cryo chamber with LeBron (laughs) or something the last week or so because, uh, yeah, he, he tapped into something and figured it out again after a very short lull. Um, yeah, Austin Reese is definitely our third best player. <laughs> and um, it, it's crazy to think that just last year, the beginning of the season, you know, undrafted, summer league, all that kind of stuff. And uh, just how critical he is to our team now. And um I mean, he's not even close to reaching his ceiling or whatever you want to call it. So that's awesome. And as far as Rui, dude, I mean, I know there was like a, they brought up the fact that he had like mental health issues when he was in Washington, you know, took time off from the team to get things straightened out. And he wants to, similar to like Kevin Love and a lot of other athletes, just discuss like the stigma around mental health and what it did for him to take that break. And 
I mean, there was a time when we first acquired him, looked really good. And then it was like, oh, shoot, he's not very effective. He's not being assertive, stuff like that, playing a little timid. And then you look at what he was doing in yesterday's game, just like yamming on guys. I'm glad that the team was talking shit to him, saying his dunk package sucked, because now it's like he's trying to show uh, his athleticism. Uh, so the fact that that motivated him is, is hilarious. And, you you know, Stu Lance's favorite thing is talking about you got to put more arc on that shot. But he's not wrong when it came to Rui at first. It was so flat. And, uh, you know, credit to Phil Handy, who whichever coaches were working with him on developing the jumper, um, whatever mechanical issues, uh, adjustments that he made, you know, clearly worked. Just happy for him, like as a person. And uh, he got that platform, you know, here being in L.A. So we better figure out, you know, we better do what it takes <laughs> to keep these guys. Um, yeah. Without them, yeah. dude, this is not a close series at all. Yeah, and it sounds like we're going to, according to Rob Palenka in the exit interviews today, and then Rui Hachimura also in his exit interview mentioned that this was the best time of his career, you know, which is awesome to hear from a guy who we've seen the growth both on the court, but also with the mental health stuff off the court as well, and just him come into his own. So it's been a joy to watch that happen. All right, let's take it to break. When we return, let's just close this entire season out and yeah, just talk about and appreciate the journey that we've been on for this team. All right, so we are back. Alan, give me your favorite highlight play of this entire playoffs run, because there was a lot. Um, Just to talk about the positives, because it has been quite a journey. We weren't even supposed to be here. None of us anticipated even making a Western Conference Finals run. So out of everything that we've been through, give me your favorite highlight play of the 2022 2023 Lakers playoff run. Oh man, so tough, dude. Um, I mean, there were so many great ones in the Memphis series. I feel like we had so much energy, like as a fan base, because Memphis is so brash, you know. And I don't want to make it about them and kind of sticking it to them, but poking the bear, you know, and all <laughs> those like juicy little sound bites. Um, it, it made all of those exclamation mark plays so freaking sweet. Yeah, it's I, I feel like what I think of when it comes to that series was Anthony Davis's defense. So, yeah, sorry, I'm not like pointing out one particular play because there are so many. But I feel like anytime A.D. had a block shot or a tipped pass, any kind of deflection, it's like the most active I can recall seeing him on defense. And, you know, pe- people used to talk about how Bill Russell didn't really score. But what he did on the defensive end is what made him so great. Like. That's how Anthony Davis has been throughout the entire playoffs, making yeah. such a huge en- uh, difference on that end of the floor. So uh, I'm going to go with just the AD defense package as my favorite thing to see throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he didn't bring it offensively, but like I've mentioned in previous podcasts, the 2020 bubble version of AD offensively is pretty much what we got from AD defensively in this playoff run. And that was on like a bum foot ankle, hip, whatever the heck AD's dealing with, right? Um, My favorite highlight play of the entire playoffs run would be the Austin Reeves half-court heave at the buzzer after the AD block on Dante DiVincenzo versus the Warriors in that closeout game because I was there live. (laughs) So I saw that shot live. And, you know, that is the shot that fully gave the Lakers momentum to blow the game wide open and close the hell out of the Warriors. But you're right in terms of 
the Memphis series actually felt more like the antagonistic game, right? There was more heatedness between the two than there was the Warriors because I felt like there was more mutual respect between Curry, Draymond, mm. Kerr, etc., right? Um, so if I were to pick something from the Memphis series, it would be the Schroeder lob to AD where AD goes up explosively for the alley-oop jam over Jaron Jackson Jr., who ends up slipping and falling to the ground. So for AD to do that over the defensive player of the year, it was like an unintentional AI stepping over Ty Lue moment. Um, mm. That is my favorite moment from the Memphis series. But I guess my overall favorite moment would be the Austin Reeves half-court heave at the buzzer. Alan, so my last question to you and our last topic of this podcast would be just the your overarching view of the season because I think we're both in alignment that this season should not be viewed as a failure. Is there that so close yet so far wretched taste in your mouth because of how it ended? Sure. But look, the Lakers went 18-8 and eight to close the regular season. We were the number one defensive rated team throughout that time. And LeBron James missed 13 of those games. The Lakers went 9-4 and four in the playoffs leading up to the Western Conference finals including the play-in game but unfortunately they just ran into a Denver Nuggets buzzsaw led by Jokic and Murray that stopped them right in their tracks but looking at the lead-up to everything and just the way we were able to turn our entire franchise trajectory around by making the trade that we did by making the multiple trades that we did I mean that's why you watch the NBA that's why you follow teams you know, we had been stuck in mud for so long. It had been, we had been in such a limbo with the Westbrook thing hanging in the balance. And like, it just didn't seem like we were going anywhere. But now because of that trade, because of the moments we've been able to see and more than moments and flashes from this group of guys, we now have a foundation, a bit of a foundation that we can hold on to. And our future looks a lot brighter with a lot more options at our disposal. So what's your like lasting overview of this season? Even though, I mean, it started out so grim, right? We were expecting trades that never happened. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was so grim. It was like not fun to watch at all, right? And it felt like honestly a chore. And uh, it was like energy sucking <laughs> to watch this team. And the fact that it flipped, you know, 180 degrees as quickly as it did initially is like, all right, like this is fun. Taper expectations. Don't get too high kind of a thing. I mean, I got to the point, obviously, during this playoff run where I was really believing. I'm like, I'm not going to say it, but this team has like something the way that we we're competing on the defensive end, uh, you know, just guys on a string, like all, all those kinds of platitudes and cliches or whatever that felt like really good basketball that we've seen <laughs> from championship teams um at the same time it's like yeah but this is still like a pipe dream <laughs> because we just came together as a squad and you know I, I think back to like when we acquired Pau Gasol and it's like okay this is gonna help us over the edge I mean we got to the finals we got absolutely destroyed by Boston and it was like okay Team's just not ready. It was too quick. Uh, we had guys hurt, like key dudes, like Trevor Reza, Andrew Bynum, et cetera. And that just took a little bit more time, right, to get seasoned. So to me, this could you know, potentially feel like that. And we've clamored for so long now about, like, we, we keep going from year to year, no clear direction. It's these quick fixes, and we just want a little bit of continuity 
And I think that we are setting ourselves up for that to actually build and work on something. So um, I know that, you know, Giannis this year when they got knocked out, you know, went on his whole monologue, which was awesome about it's not a failure and all that. And then Joel Embiid kind of like trolled it, but sort of meant it for himself. But it was weird. I feel like for us, it makes a lot of sense. Like this season was not a failure um, (laughs) as an organization. And uh, I ultimately, yeah, I'm bummed that there's no game tomorrow (laughs) and that it ended so frigging quickly. Just when we started to be like, oh, my God, there's a chance. Uh, But it's all good. This is this is why we watch. It's for the long, long term. And I, I think we'll look back fondly on this um these building blocks i think like 07 08 this was the dress rehearsal for what's to come right provided we have more continuity next year alan i think two games that exemplify what this season was about and i want to highlight lebron james and anthony davis fighting till the bitter end two games that stick out to me with regards to ad and lebron exemplifying that never quit never die mentality would be lebron's game in dallas where he first injured his foot in the third quarter, and he's yelling, I heard a pop on the baseline. He's he's like lying on the baseline and yelling, I heard a pop, right? And we all thought his season was done. Instead, what does he do? He ties up his shoelaces, ties it up tighter, and plays the rest of the game, hitting crucial buckets and making insane defensive plays at the end to lead the Lakers from 27 points down to win the game, a game that we needed. And then he missed the next 13 games because we realized, oh, his foot injury is legit. But to me, that exemplif- that game exemplified LeBron not willing to let go of this season, even if it felt futile, you know? And then the second game would be Anthony Davis's game on the road versus Cat and the Timberwolves. If you remember, the Lakers were getting pounded for much of that game. Then in the third quarter, he twists his ankle severely and starts writhing on the floor for like three possessions. But what happens next? He gets back up, Lakers go on a crazy run, and he goes nuclear on Cat, and he finishes with 38-17 and and the win. So to me, our superstars leading by example, unfortunately, the weight of the compounding effects of how we started this season caught up to them, but we cannot overlook their contributions and how they set the tone for the rest of the season. And the last thing I want you to speak upon, Alan, is just the locker room chemistry of this team, because... What a great group of guys to root for right on down the line from the 15th man to, you know, first guy to the 15th man. The goat noises, the laughter, the handshakes, the vibes were indeed immaculate. The guys were willing to sacrifice, not complain. You only wish the health was a little bit more immaculate for our superstars. But for me, the most disappointing part about not being able to watch a game, Alan, is the fact that it just sucks because you want to see all of these dudes succeed so badly. And we'll get another chance to root them on next year, provided most of them are back. But yeah, just your final thoughts on just the group of guys that we were able to compile by the, by the end of it. <laughs> exactly. I, I feel like that's like my favorite freaking thing, dude. It was so funny. Like every locker room interview when LeBron was in there, um, just hearing the guys uh, kind of pile on stuff like that. That was awesome. And Again, it, it was so much sweeter because of how sour and salty it was to start the year. Like, no good vibes at all to what it was. Um, man, it just goes to show you, like, yeah, guys don't have to necessarily have great off-court, you know, chemistry and, and things like that in order to win. Like, we've seen that with some teams. But, hell, it freaking helps for sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that that 
in addition to like the good basketball that we were able to see the good product is also just what made it fun. Like getting to know uh, these players kind of like goofy personalities. Um, just a lot of good chemistry dudes for sure. Like you said, um, I love seeing obviously the guys like bow <laughs> to Rui um, yeah. as part of like their handshakes and like LeBron really came back with it, with all the handshakes, with all the different dudes on the team. Um, I feel like that was not a thing <laughs> the last couple yeah. seasons. So <laughs> if there's a correlation right between uh, like job satisfaction, happiness and the amount of handshakes, you know, we, we saw it spike this year. Yeah, for sure. And Lonnie Walker even said it. And this is like Lonnie Walker who got demoted once the new guys came in. He said the locker room chemistry was even better after the trade. Isn't that telling that a guy who lost for all sure. of his minutes because of the new guys said, I wouldn't have had it any other way because I love these guys. So, mm. I mean, and that what a perfect Disney moment sort of way to end this podcast, right? Even though our season's over, because there's a lot to look forward to with the NBA draft, with free agency, yada, yada. So with that said, we'll end it here. Go Lakers, go, go. It's still lit because the future's looking bright and LeBron James is hopefully not going to retire. We'll have another podcast if that ends up being the case. But for now, we're still oh, hopeful. God. <laughs> Emergency pod. <laughs> All right. With that said, we will catch you guys next time. Alan, I'll see you later. All right, man. See you soon. Peace.